millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Far-Fetched Fables, part of the District of Wonders Network, featuring Starship Sofa, Tales to Terrify, Crime City Central, and Protecting Project Pop. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, this is Far-Fetched Fables. Welcome to show number 132. This week we start a little dark with 1348 by Russell Hemmel. Russell is a statistician and social scientist from the UK, passionate about astrophysics and speculative fiction. His stories have appeared in Not One of Us, Perihelion SF, SQ Mag and others. Learn more via the links in our show notes. The story is read by Alex Weinler, who lives in a cottage just outside Cambridge where he writes science fiction and narrates stories. His new fridge is bigger than the cottage itself, somewhat like the TARDIS, but containing far more calories. And now, 1348 by Russell Hemmel. He arrived on Sunday, after a winter of sleep and snow. A jester with clear blue eyes, pale, lithe hands and white flowers in them. He smiled and said, I come in peace. I ply my trade with buffooneries and riddles, and the joking tambourine accompanies my laughter. Enjoy my gifts, you beautiful city, and the good time I bring. He bowed in reverence with the beauty of an angel, and it was Sunday. On Monday, Florence woke up at the song of a hundred birds, colourful plumes of fast-winged spirits. Sun was bathing the city roofs, and its rays made the cathedral spires shine and glow. Here it comes, an unforgettable season. People rejoiced, for the jester had promised. On Tuesday, boys chased girls in the streets, calling them funny names like the jester had told them. Naked shoulders in the sunshine heat, naked feet on the humid lawn, 
great expectations and longing hearts. They laughed and laughed and played and played again, and they were happy. On Wednesday, the artist began his most amazing painting of a pale young man with white flowers in his hands. He gave him the beauty of an angel, blue starlight in his eyes. Which flowers are they, Jester? But the model stood up and walked. Wait, the artist said, I haven't finished yet. You won't, replied the Jester. On Thursday, the lords in their high palaces wanted to declare the war to end all wars, for a never-ending peace. Money to buy armies, to buy weapons, to buy yet more power, to earn yet more money for the richest city of Christianity. But the smiling jester told them to wait, for a war was no longer needed, and so they waited. On Friday, he invited the people of Florence to celebrate and party. He went down to the streets, taking their hands and dancing around, drinking red wine and eating warm bread. They made rhymes and ballads together, singing the praise of loving souls, of kindred spirits, believing in eternity, sizing the fleeting day. Like yesterday never was, like tomorrow would never come. In peace I came, he said, and kissed people of all ages, sex and races, rich and poor, beautiful and ugly, filthy and elegant, nobles and peasants. He caressed Lady Beatrice's soft cheek and brushed children's heads with his delicate fingers. It was late at night when his lady came to see him. So scared she had been, the week spent burning in secret, yet hesitant on her steps. Are you wise enough to befriend a fool? Are you foolish enough to believe what he says? But not that night. That night she believed, and her feet followed him under an immaculate moonlight. His skin was whiter than the moon itself, and his touch as gentle as butterflies' wings, bestowing pleasure and divine wisdom. What's your name, my lord? she whispered in awe. One you do not want to hear. When Florence rose from slumber on Saturday afternoon, there were no songs, no flowers, and all birds were gone. A hot, sticky rain was dripping on their faces, and insects crawled on their wet skin. Sunlight had disappeared under a blanket of fog, and clouds masked the cathedral spires. In thousands they were dying, without mourning of the living, abandoned in fear, desperate beyond despair. As a ghost in the darkness, a cart with its sinister bell sound came over, slowly parading in the streets. The jester strolled along, clear blue eyes shining in compassion, and face covered by a beak-like mask, white as his hands, soothing sick people, whispering words to their moribund ears, caressing their gaping buboes. He visited taverns, churches and houses, a silent shadow of doom, 
and on the red linens of their beds he threw the asphodels of the black death, his voice crystalline and sweet, the suave touch of an angel of the plague. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Our next story is something a little lighter. Master of Business Apocalypse by Jacob Drude. Jacob lives in Denmark with his wife and children. It's a good life, but his stories are probably more exciting than he is. They've met aliens, lived in the sun, fought monsters, and flown between the stars. They also travel more than he does, and so far they've appeared in magazines in the US, Canada, and Australia. The story is read by Jonathan Sharp, who lives and works in a sleepy southern New Mexico town alongside his exceedingly talented wife, Paige. When he is free from the mountains of organic vegetables under which he works, he plays in front of the microphone in the hope that it may one day talk back to him. You can reach him online at sharpandvoice.com. And now, Master of Business Apocalypse by Jacob Drude. For the last 131 years, my job at Mundo Perpetuo has been to stop all the probable and improbable apocalypses that people accidentally invoke. I've worked my way up from junior meteor diverter to viral containment specialist, and now, as the most senior staff member, I get to run the Department of Mixed Ends of the World. If the dinosaurs return or civilization as we know it is threatened by falling anvils, old Joe steps up to bat. And still, some days the world takes me by surprise like the day when Paula Johnson greeted me in the lobby with these words. Mr. Inflectus, I am to inform you that our new CEO, Mr. Halen, has called a meeting of all department heads at 9 a.m., and that you are now five minutes late. Around the office, I just go by the name of Joe, 
so her salutation stopped me dead in my tracks. And a very formal morning to you too, Miss Johnson. New CEO, you said? Paula just cracked her knuckles, a gesture I knew as danger incarnate. Her magic was capable of manipulating physical objects in disturbing ways, which made her the best security chief in the Northern Hemisphere. She was also an archivist of unrivaled skills, and both abilities had saved my life time and again. If she felt threatened, I did too. I power-stepped up the stairs one flight at a time, wondering what we needed a CEO for. We've been without a nominal leader for the last eight years since our former director had fired himself for being redundant. But when I entered Conference 2, I knew right away that our new CEO would never reach a similar conclusion. He was a young white guy with flashy teeth, a black Armani suit, and a shave so close he must have had his hair follicles surgically removed. Joseph Inflectus, from mixed ends of the world, glad you could finally join us, he said, mistaking acidity for authority. Please have a seat. Now, as I was telling everyone before you chose to show up, I'm your new boss, and you may address me as Mr. Halen. I'm not big on self-imposed authority, and I'm afraid it showed in the way I sat down next to Antonio Suarez from Pandemics, as slowly as I possibly could. I waited until Mr. Halen drew breath to speak again, and then found my most casual voice. Have you ever directed a magical department before, Mr. Halen? Of course not. You're the only one in the country. That you know of, Ingrid Blunt corrected him. Do you have any experience with enchantments, summoning, or protection spells? That got a laugh and a flash of those bright, shiny teeth. Don't worry, I'm leaving the hocus-pocus to the professionals. My qualifications are in leadership. I've got an MBA from Yale. When I was office intern at Waterhome Crunch, I took a BPCD and BPCC and soon graduated to Internal Office Department of HOC. After Waterhome Crunch, I moved on to... Speaking of hocus-pocus, I cleared my throat arch-wizardly, that is to say, in the way that made people pay respectful attention. <clears throat> Mr. Halen just looked annoyed. Yes. Mundo Perpetuo has prevented every conceivable apocalypse of the last seventy-five centuries, saving Earth and mankind at least a thousand times over. Proof of our efficiency? You've not been turned into a vampire, infected with a deadly virus, irradiated, flattened by a meteor, smothered by a vengeful deity, or drowned in an antediluvian tide. We intend to keep you and the rest of the world that way. The question is, Mr. Halen, what do you bring to the table? He showed his teeth and steepled his fingers. I'm going to increase turnover. Together, we'll make profits skyrocket. The last word made B.S. Bellamy, head of alien invasions, flinch habitually. The horror I read in the other faces had been conjured by another phrase. You may be CEO, Mr. Halen, said Manfred Parsons, head of Undead Outbreaks, but continue to think that way and you'll be DOA. Working zombie apocalypses for half a century had blunted Parsons' sense of humor and situational awareness. Zombies need a firm hand, not subtlety. What Parsons means is that we don't need increased turnover, I stressed the last word. The fewer apocalypses we have to prevent, the better. That's where you're wrong, Mr. Halen said. 
As of today, Mundo Perpetuo is paid for every alien, nuclear, zombie, rapture disaster we prevent. It's all in the new guidelines from the board of directors. Only Flower Agel, head of Supernatural Endings, crossed her arms as if to indicate further resistance. Let me guess, she said. Your bonus depends on the bottom line. He beamed. My PowerPoint presentation will explain everything in detail. Everybody's eyes glazed over until Chai Chen from Natural Disasters mouthed the words of the 3P protection spell. Flower Agile guessed right, which became very clear four hours into the presentation when Mr. Halen laid out a long list of expenditure cuts. Those included the demand that everyone put in extra hours, a preliminary 10% staff cut, and a plan to use cheaper materials for our spells which is why I made my first priority to visit Madison Stars, chairman of the Intact Foundation. The Foundation was our meal ticket, a money hoard directed by seven imaginative people who understood how many different ends of the earth would see if it weren't for Joe and the crew. Madison Stars herself knew just enough magic to do no harm, but her real skills lay in finance and leadership, where she had an efficient yet caring way with people. But the minute I laid out my grievance, her friendliness evaporated. I suddenly felt like a tool in her presence, like a coat stand, albeit a specially commissioned one-of-a-kind coat stand. Harlan Bergeson and Tara Legoff resigned last week to spend more time with their families, she explained. Instead, we got two guys from a bank, and they pointed out that we could save a lot of money and use the surplus to support another charity like cancer research or new antibiotics. These guys just can't wrap their head around the idea that your organization takes precedence over all others. I'd love to wrap their heads around something for you. Except we have those pesky rules, don't we? Meaning the wizard code and the death sentence awaiting any out-of-line magic user. Look, we can try Halen for a while, I said. Some of the Vietnamese reagents he's ordered really are a bargain compared to the hand-picked organic kind, but I don't see how bringing in a CFO and an HR department is going to save money, and trust me, you don't want to risk us being underfunded. It's new times, Joe. Everybody's underfunded. She put a hand on my shoulder, squeezed it firmly, the encouraging touch of an experienced leader who knew the change could tax an employee, but also the firm grip of a leader bent on her current strategy. For all my respect for Madison, it still felt like being held from the scruff of the neck by a big hellhound. And trust me, I know how that feels. Mr. Halen's HR department fired 20 of our 200 wizards the next week. Fortunately, it was a light week, with only one massive meteor impact to prevent, and one invasion of an algae-like species that threatened to take over the oceans in a rock-hard surface and we had advance warning against both apocalypses. All magical apocalypses siphon off a lot of energy from the magical field that separates the Earth's inner and outer core. It doesn't matter where on Earth the apocalypse is going to start or who finishes it. A trained apocalypse wizard can sense the waning magical field as a weakening in their own powers. We call it advance warning when the siphoning starts long before the actual spell is called down. That means the energy gathers in a particular area, just where a crazy cult is about to light a bonfire and read out loud from the Martha Stewart Living Cookbook, for instance. 
It's easy to pinpoint the energy, so I can just show up on the night of the bonfire, call up a rainstorm to put out the fire, and voila. The world doesn't meet a culinary end, and the energy is reabsorbed into the Earth's core. In other cases, we have no warning. That's when we get to stop rifts in the fabric of reality, and that's where having extra magicians on your payroll is usually really handy. And of course, our next six weeks were filled with such incidents. Flower Agile and her supernatural ending staff worked around the clock to stuff fire-breathing imps back into the rifts appearing all over the globe and manipulate people's memory to allow them to sleep again. At one time, she even had demons invading her office, and we all had to pitch in with salt and banishing spells before Mr. Halen found out and told her to work from home over the weekend. I also got to spend an eventful Thursday night in the Rocky Mountains, where a cult was trying to call down the rapture using a black cat and a pentagram of albino rats. Their amateur chant would most likely only have ignited Mount St. Helens, but I stopped them anyway, on principle. I attended to my own ends, too. An evil breed of supervillains summoned from a comic book decided to rid the world of humans. Whacking bad guys with fireballs was great therapy for my frustrations, but then a new species of intestine-eating worms threatened the Earth's water supply. For five days straight, I teamed up with Chai Chen from Natural Disasters to clean every drop of H2O on the planet. So when the office closed up on the seventh Friday after Mr. Halen's arrival, I felt about as arch-wizardly as a molten slice of cheese. Times were when I devoted Friday nights to studies, or quizzing librarians and movie critics about what kind of ends to expect. That Friday, though, I just wanted to sleep. I wasn't even up to power-stepping down the stairs. As I waited for the elevator, Mr. Halen caught up with me. Hey, Joe, I wanted to ask you, how do you start an apocalypse? I don't, I said truthfully. Only idiots call down the end of the world, and most do it unawares. We interpret the signs and set out to stop the ends before it's too late. Usually a summoning takes a couple of weeks to fully appear, but... I swore inwardly. Wizards really shouldn't swear out loud when I saw in his grin what he'd concluded from the statement, that we had plenty of time. But how do those idiots do it? he asked. Do they read Lovecraft novels out loud, look in the mirror and say zombie five times or what? Mindless shambling scumbag, I said, technical term. Oblivious to the double entendre, Mr. Halen put an arm around my shoulder and pulled me into the elevator. We really need to generate more business, Joe. Since you're in that mixed department, you can't have much to do. I'm putting you in charge of calling down new ends of the world. But keep it to one or two a week for now, all right? We must be able to break the records in the next fiscal quarter. The elevator dinged, and he exited. I had to take the elevator up and back down in order to not violate every paragraph in the wizard code at the same time. I could live with saving money. I could live with hard work and sacrifice. But if you have ever stood on the brink of having land-walking squids appear in every city, town, and hamlet of the world, no one is going to talk you into summoning a single cephalopod. When I finally left the elevator, I had made up my mind. Bored or no bored, Mr. Halen would have to go. I came in on Monday to find Flower Agile arguing with Mr. Halen outside his office. I'd made a couple of plans that weekend to get the entire firm behind me, and Flower Agile had been aboard from the beginning. I'm down three wizards, she said rather loudly. If two of my staff call in sick at the same time, and three raptures are called at once, 
I won't answer for the consequences. Don't worry, Mr. Halen beamed. I'm hiring a secretary for all department heads. That'll give you more time to handle your little disasters. Besides, all companies allow for a margin of error. You're saying we should be content with a 5% Ragnarok? Asked Suarez. He'll tell you that that's the kind of thinking that led to the Black Death. You can't, I said. He called in sick. Well, he'd better get his ass down here because his department is underperforming by several percent and I'm not... Halen stopped. Doors opened all along the hallway and department heads swarmed our little gathering. Suarez is sick? Bellamy asked. It can't be the Le Inqui virus. We dispelled every trace last week and the incubation time is only 14 minutes. It's not a zombie infestation, Parsons said. And even if it were, I gave him that baseball bat for his birthday. Nothing flooded his house, neither sea nor lava, Chai Chen said. I watch CNN, Mr. Halen said tersely. But let me assure you, it's all taken care of. Suarez will be back soon, and if it's long-term, I'll get HR to find a middle manager to take care of things while he's gone. Mr. Halen, I intoned. It is the first time the head of pandemics called in sick. Ever. I'm sure it's just a cold, Joe. I read your resume. Level 66 technically gives you the skills to cover for him. But he didn't flash his teeth, and I could all but see the worry in his mind. Not about Suarez, of course, but about living up to his contract with the board. There's something I'd like to ask your advice about, I said, nodding towards his office. He closed the door behind us. What? I can call up the extra apocalypses you asked for, but I looked over some of the newest research this weekend. Like hell I did. The best research was done in the 16th century, but guys like Mr. Halen like their research new, not good. And I found something about a condition we call a cosmic resonant simultaneous conflux. He looked blank, which was to be expected. After all, I'd made up the conflux theory myself. However, I needed him to believe it, so I switched to acronyms. A sick happens when we have too many different apocalypses at the same time, and they start to influence each other. Falling pianos start causing strange new diseases. Vengeful deities use nuclear weapons and meteor impacts bring the dinosaurs back. In short, the cost of dealing with disaster triples. I had his attention now. And sometimes we have to go to truly extreme measures to save the world, I added. Such as? I opened my briefcase and handed him the package I had prepared over the weekend. Your predecessor left this, I said, lying through my teeth. I didn't give it to you before because I didn't want to worry you, but I'd really hate for anything like this to happen again but we're only two disasters away from a potential Kresik. I put on my best remorseful smile and stalked out before he could ask any questions. Back in my office, I cast the spell that let me listen in while Mr. Halen rummaged through the package. It contained apocryphal summoning schematics, detailed descriptions of the human sacrifice necessary to dispel a Kresik, and a diary. The latter, written over the weekend by a couple of very imaginative fantasy writers, purported to show the escalating panic of our former CEO, as more and more ends of the world overwhelmed Mundo Perpetuo. In the final entry, he pleaded with his employees not to sacrifice him, and the diary ended abruptly, blood smearing the former CEO's handwriting. It really ought to make Mr. Halen resign. For a long time, I didn't hear a thing. No surprised yells, no nail-biting. The only sound was a little scratching, a bit of muttering and humming, and what sounded like the flick of a lighter. 
When Mr. Halen finally spoke, he was chanting in a deep, commanding voice. More middle management, intern recruitment policies, armed security guards, non-disclosure agreements, internal review procedures. As I heard that chanting, it dawned on me that Mr. Halen didn't need to work in apocalyptic magic to get to us. All he had to do was use ordinary summoning spells that called in his hordes of managers to smother us all. That and the deception that he knew no magic at all. No sooner had I figured it out before two armed security guards burst into my office. We have orders to escort you from the premises, said the guard on the right. Your desk will be cleared out and any personal effects will be sent to you. I stepped between them and bowed my head, partly in admiration of Mr. Halen's trickery, partly in order to fool the guards. They were armored in Kevlar and force fields that looked capable of withstanding ice, fire, water, air, scalding coffee, and every other basic element. But once I started probing the layers of magic, I found just the kind of weakness I'd expected from an amateur magician. No anchoring. As soon as the guards put their hands on my shoulders, I teleported us all to a pocket dimension, where Chen Chai had relegated a particularly nasty invasion of immortal carnivorous plants. Then I teleported myself back, making a mental note to retrieve the guards before their protection spells wore out, if my mood improved. When I entered Mr. Halen's office, I found him standing in the middle of a pentagram, blood dripping from his palms in what must be a spell to summon a demon or perhaps a tax lawyer. His magic was indeed as real as any of that of my colleagues and I could perform, and I brimmed with anger for not having seen through his sham. How clever of you to use a teleportation spell, he said. His smile widened until his teeth gleamed so sharply white that I had to shield my eyes with my arm. By the time I could see again, he had vanished. It didn't matter whether we were dealing with an actual apocalypse or just a freaking disaster. Mundo Perpetuo stood together. It was clear that Mr. Halen couldn't have worked alone, and the logical place to look was the intact foundation. By nightfall, Suarez was back, his health drastically improved by Mr. Halen's disappearance, and we were preparing to pay Madison's stars a visit, all except Ingrid Blunt, who had four nuclear warheads to dismantle on Manhattan that night. Outside the Foundation's offices, we all sensed the spells that had been cast over the large conference room at the top floor. We stepped up there, me in front of Chen, Agile, Suarez, Bellamy, and Parsons in tow, and Paula Johnson guarding our rear, in case someone was crazy enough to sneak up on a septet of angry wizards. I knocked arch-wizardly on the door of the conference room, that is to say I evaporated the hinges and caught the strangest sight I'd seen since the oyster invasion of 69. The entire room had been cleared of furniture, and was instead filled with perhaps 300 young men in Armani suits, shirts, ties, Lloyd shoes, and gleaming white teeth. Everyone had the same sharp haircut. They were chattering away, but once in a while the buzz rose in volume and ended with a single word, Revenue, or Turnover or growth, and every time a new young man appeared in their midst. Overseeing the ritual was Mr. Halen and Madison Stars, who both raised a hand in mock greeting. To see Mr. Halen here convinced me that Madison Stars had hired him to begin something big, and there could be no doubt that it was big. 
we were facing a master of business apocalypse in full flow. It wouldn't be immediately devastating, but add several millions of -of full-of-themselves CEOs and civilization would surely collapse. Guess they're just another kind of zombies, Parsons said. He started mumbling an enchantment, threw spell components into the air and started gesturing in a way that seemed inspired by Bruce Lee, or perhaps Kermit the Frog. Nothing happened. Parsons looked confounded, and I had a sudden suspicion that the new Vietnamese spell components Mr. Halen had ordered for us had come a tad too cheap. You're never going to contain this one, Madison Starr's voice cut through the chatter as she approached us. Leave now and you can keep your jobs and keep saving the world. If you don't, I turn this pack loose on Mundo Perpetuo. They're human, by the way, so you can't harm them. Why, Madison? I asked. You could have asked Mundo Perpetuo for anything. I'm tired of funding a charity. I want to be connected. I want to know the inside deals before the market rises and crashes. These are the new times, and these are my people. They will all report to me, and the power will be mine. She sounds religious, I whispered hopefully to Flower Agile. Don't wipe this off on me, Mixed End, your department. As with any baffling incident, the true question was how the ritual was powered. Anyone with the wrong frame of mind can call down the end of the world, but it's damn complicated to summon destructive powers and control them as well. And then it struck me. When an apocalypse was building, I sensed the magic field between the outer and inner core of the earth diminish. But I had never really checked if the energy actually returned to the earth when I stopped an apocalypse. If Madison collected the returning energy, she'd have plenty of undetected power for her plan. And if we all felt a little drained, well, Mr. Halen was easy to blame. I pulled out my phone and called Ingrid Blunt. Ingrid, join us, please. Joe, I'm sitting next to a 60-megaton bomb with a five-minute countdown, and the wire cutters Halen bought for us suck. That's somebody else's problem, I said. We're on strike. A slight pop, and Blunt appeared next to me. Did you say strike? she asked. Keep summoning, Madison Stars ordered, and her suits obeyed. But no new MBAs were called into existence, no matter how many times they shouted, Earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. That's what a strike works like, I said to Madison. Without our apocalypse prevention, you don't have the energy to expand your management layers. I know you, Joe, Madison replied. You won't let the earth come to harm. Your immediate problem isn't the earth, I nodded to Blunt, who summoned up a picture of the hydrogen bomb counting down in the sewers under Wall Street. No apocalypse prevention, no New York. You're not the kind of man who'd sacrifice a city to make a point. I knew she was right, and worse, so did she. But I hadn't lived to become an archwizard of 66 level without learning how to bluff and I had a room full of wet-behind-the-ears suits to get on my side. You're right. We'll contain the blast to Wall Street area, I said. It's after closing time, so few people will be hurt. But the financial sector will collapse, and the rest of the economy will follow. And then, where will all your suits go? Confusion broke out among the suits, and I turned to address them. You heard me, gentlemen. You were summoned with the promise of ruling the world. I cannot banish you since you are human, 
but I can make sure you'll have nothing to lord it over. So here's your choice. Depose your leader and take your chances as free men. Or rule the radioactive ruins of Wall Street in your master's name. Outrage spread through the crowd as Madison Starr's creations understood how they'd been lured into this world by false promises. And one by one, they turned on their creator, while a low growling filled the room. Madison's face stiffened as the suits closed in on her. I made you what you are, she screamed. You'll do as I say. I am the chairman. I am the chairman. But despite those words of power, they still swarmed her, chanting in a dinning curse of their own. Vote of no confidence. Vote of no confidence. Over and over again. I'm sorry to say we couldn't prevent all those MBAs from rising, but at least we had the room fully contained. And I mean, how much harm can the 300 MBAs do? We modified their memories to make sure they forgot the summoning spells, but from the way I hear it, most have worked out mundane ways to get their ways. Middle management, HR departments, non-disclosure agreements, hocus-pocus. We still keep an eye on their activities, and we've observed a solid rise in the number of people claiming that bottom lines are the most important thing in the world. Yes, most of these people actually go through college, and most of them behave as human beings instead of magically created automatons. Still, I can't help but wonder if we have a magical leak somewhere. Parsons still insists they're zombies. Suarez likens them to the flu, ubiquitous but most dangerous to people who are already weakened by circumstances. Me? I just consider them a freak of fate. The kind of thing you have to learn to live with, even if you don't like it. I can do that, as long as they don't get in the way of my job. Which reminds me, we have a new board of directors. Funding is back up, apocalypses are back down, and even if the world has this new problem to contend with, we're all a little safer. Sure, the end of the world is still coming, but Joe and the crew have it covered. Our sympathies to those of you listening to this in a cubicle. Just remember, it could be worse. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this or any of our stories, you can leave your comments on the Triple F website, our Facebook page, or on Twitter. We love hearing from our listeners, and we want to know your thoughts on our content. As always, please leave us a review on iTunes or other podcatchers so that we can build our listenership and keep the stories flowing. My personal thanks go to Gary Dowell, my editor, and Mark Zanfardino, our sound engineer, for keeping it all ticking over. Please remember that Farfetched Fables operates under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License, which means you can download the content and share it all you like, but don't change it or sell it. And be sure to give credit where that credit is due. All other copyright remains that of the authors. Violators will be forced to spend eternity paying back student loans. And as we all know, that's a long time. I'm off to action the day. I hope that wherever you are and whatever you're doing, dear listener, yours is just as good. Bye now. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. 
You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.